You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 308, Streamlining Connection to Survivor Services with Technology. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast here at Vanguard University's Global Center for Women and Justice in Orange County, California. My name is Dr. Sandy Morgan, and I'm your host. This is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. I'm excited to welcome Melissa Yao from the National Trafficking Sheltered Alliance. She was a guest on episode number 220. We'll put that episode link in the show notes. But if you're looking for it right now because you want to listen to it before this episode, then just look for 220. Melissa is the executive director of the National Trafficking Sheltered Alliance, a network of service providers committed to enhancing services and increasing access to care for survivors of human trafficking and sexual exploitation. I want to emphasize increasing access because that is what really contributes to empowerment. I'm also excited that Melissa brought a colleague with her, Alexis Byers. Alexis is the referral program manager at the Alliance. She graduated from college in 2021 with a degree in political science and a minor in security and conflict studies. And now she's working on a master's in homeland security and emergency preparedness. And I want to actually emphasize my welcome and excitement about having you here, Alexis, because I believe it's important for young people just finishing college to understand how quickly they can use their expertise to make a difference. So you're both welcome, and I'm glad you're here. Well, we are thrilled to be here, Dr. Morgan. We're very excited to share some success that we've seen in five years of facilitating a referral system throughout the U.S. in hopes that it can inspire others to find ways to help survivors overcome their trauma by finding the right place for them to recover. It's all that we focus on, and we're thrilled to be able to share some successes with that, with your audience. And thank you so much for having us. I completely agree that it's so important to know that the minute that you do graduate from college, you do have the ability to kind of make a change almost um, immediately using the skills that you learned through school. That's so great. Okay, so I'm excited to talk about how technology is improving access to resources. And especially because so much of the conversation lately has been about the harms of technology. But technology, the other side of the coin, brings amazing opportunity. So as 
the response to human trafficking here increases the need for service providers to collaborate and stay connected is more important than ever. So let's start, Melissa, with some of the principles of NTSA. Tell us how you have basically developed three pathways to make a difference. Great question, Dr. Morgan. I, I served in direct service with survivors for over seven years. And much like many of my colleagues listening to this podcast, became very disheartened and discouraged with the number of survivors that as they're working towards overcoming their trauma, because the program wasn't the best fit for them, often left and went back into the trafficking situation. And I couldn't help years ago think, what if they had been in a program that was a better fit? I can't help but think of when you go to the Cheesecake Factory. Let's say you're craving a burger and you've got the Cheesecake Factory menu and it is like a book. There's so many options and it becomes overwhelming. And we go there and we kind of default to maybe the first few things on the menu when really there might be some great hidden gems. But when you go to Five Guys, you know what you're getting. Okay, Dr. Morgan, you're in California. Maybe I should have said in and out. For those <laughs> of you that haven't had it, it is, yes, there's a secret menu that I highly recommend looking or into. Or actually on the streets of Athens, Greece, when you go to a souflaki place, you've got three choices. That's it. Yes. And so we want. I wanted to move away from defaulting to asking agencies do you have a bed? And they offered so much more than just a bed. Some of these agencies are the cheesecake factory. They offer a holistic approach. And for some survivors, that's what they need. They need high accountability, high structure, 24-hour supervision. They really need that all-encompassing experience to help them overcome. And for others, they just need a burger. And all of these extras are simply overwhelming to them. And so what we've tried to do is shift the question from, do you have a bed, into back to the survivor themselves asking, what are you looking for to help you overcome your trauma? And with a database of over 120 agencies, we're able to give them that choice. And so we have a three-pillar approach. One is our membership, almost like a trade association. And anybody across the globe, you're welcome to look into it. We have resources on trauma-informed care training, de-escalation. How do you serve survivors well? We even have information on, on um, marketing and accounting and all of those things. On top of that, because of the network, we're able to facilitate this referral system. And to date, in the past five years, we facilitated over two thousand referrals. We couldn't be more excited about that. And lastly, what we wanted to ensure is that when we were partnering with these agencies, they were offering quality service. And so we created standards of care along with an accreditation program for them to go through to ensure that they are offering the best services that they possibly can. My favorite part of this model, as I've watched the industry expand and mature, is that element of accountability and that accreditation. It gives me a lot of confidence when I refer someone through the 
Alliance. For, for sure, Dr. Morgan, but can I tell you my favorite part of the standards of care and accreditation? Oh. We get calls at least once, oftentimes twice a month, with a complaint about an agency and how they're serving a survivor. And most of the time, that complaint is coming from a survivor themselves. And what I love so much about that is we've now become a place where survivors feel like they can have a voice in their recovery. They can have a voice in when they've experienced hurt or trauma. And because this is coming from a survivor, often, and Dr. Morgan, I'm confident to say, often when we follow up with these agencies, when we send them our standards of care to talk about why the hurt and the harm was caused, we see a transformation in the services they're offered. I'll give you an example. We had an agency that we got formal complaints from survivors because the agency was using their stories, their images, and who they were in their marketing in their social media, in their fundraising efforts. And these survivors felt so betrayed. They weren't even part of the program anymore. And they were still making, the agency was still profiting from their story. Where could they report that to? There's nowhere to report that. So they reached out to us. We had a call with the agency and they humbly apologized. They acknowledged that it was actually former leadership, that they had these new leaders had only been in place for two or three months. They had a whole new board. We sent them our standards of care on ethical storytelling, on media and survivors, and they were able to present that to their board to implement those policies as they move, move forward to offer much better services for those survivors. So anyone listening anywhere can ask you for those standards of care. Okay. Yep, it's so, right on our website. Please feel free to utilize it. All right. We'll put that link in the show notes. And this is a great place to transition from the survivor voice, the survivor input on this. That's significant in the process. And we all know that if someone makes us, for instance, oh, go on a diet to lose a few kilos, we would like to have some control. We don't want things to happen to us. So in order to even amplify that voice and empower survivors, I'm really excited about the new app. So we're going to go over to you, Alexis, and will you tell us what this new exciting tool is? Yes, of course. Um, the app that we've been working on is called Tyra. This is an app that will actually transform our referral system from using a form directly on the website and using me to do all of the filtering and finding of programs, and it'll all be within this app. So survivors themselves, friends and family, advocates, law enforcement, the list goes on and on, are able to actually go into this app, fill out basically... A, all the information of both their needs and their preferences, right? Because that's what's so important is that autonomy of survivors. And, and we want to promote the autonomy and allow them to feel seen and heard. And that's what this app is about, is by showing them exactly what is available throughout the country and allowing them to decide where their next part of their journey begins and continues on. I love that. And for me, because I've been in this so long, I know we've dreamed about this kind of app and we've waited. We wanted it to be like 
ordering groceries online. And it feels that way when you talk about it. Can you actually give me a better understanding of the full title of Tyra? It says Trafficking Interruption Resource Agent. How did you come up with that name? Oh, actually, we partnered with Rust based out of Seattle, Washington. They are a direct service provider right in the heart of the city. Amanda Hightower, who is a brilliant anti-trafficking leader, along with Microsoft and people that just have brilliant marketing brains came up with it. And we're so excited to get to implement it. I cannot take any credit. I'm not that creative, um, but I personally think it's brilliant. What I love, and Dr. Morgan, you alluded to this, we've been waiting so long for this because it's almost like survivors now have a customizable Airbnb experience. And for those of you listening that have ever utilized Airbnb, and it's a global app, so many of you probably have, what you're able to do is you choose what you want to filter through. And what happens when you have too many filters? nothing shows up. So then you as the user get to choose which filters you're willing to compromise on still to still have the experience you're looking for. So whether it's your budget, whether it's the number of bedrooms, whether it's can you bring your dog, you prioritize what your filters are to ensure you have the number of options available. And survivors are going to get to do that, Dr. Morgan. They're going to get to decide, do they filter out, they bring their emotional support animal, they bring their children, they bring, they are on addiction medication, they are not a biological female. They can filter all of that. They can choose if they want to be in downtown New York City or Birmingham, Alabama, because it's up to them. And I love that they get that choice. Wow. Okay. So Alexis, what does the word interruption mean in this? When we're talking about interruption, when a survivor, this is their, when a survivor is in the life, this is their, this is their experience. And this is the trauma that they're going through. When we are talking about interruption, we are actually interrupting that process of the things that they're going through, the trauma they are going through. We are interrupting it and we're pivoting, right? So we're going to bring them to a place of healing and their ability to actually say that they're going to go into a program. They want to go into a program and that's the next part of their journey. Wow. So do you think that this will change how many times survivors end up in multiple placements. And by that, I'm thinking about how many times I've been part of placing someone into a a circumstance. It wasn't a good fit. Now we have to move. There's disappointment on both sides. There's lost time, resources, maybe even new new trauma from that. So my question is about how this technology may contribute to avoiding further complexity. I would say that when we are talking about a placement that might not fit completely, that is an inevitable type of situation that we can't stop completely. However, When a survivor has the ability to actually put in what they are looking for in a program, as well as put in all of their experience, they have any nuances that are about 
them as a human. And they have a, the ability to actually look at a program and look into a program. And then vice versa on the service provider side. The service provider is actually able to look at all the details of the survivor, look at what they have been through, look at what they need. That type of connection and that type of visibility on both sides is what would actually potentially help to eliminate the level of misplacement or having to go into multiple programs at one point. Okay. So, because streamlining, I put that in the title here because I think that's an important improvement in this delivery. So let's talk about when this is going to be available. We're kind of like talking about the future launch, but it's coming up very soon. So exciting for this. Dr. Morgan, we have been working on this for over three years now, and we are literally finally in the home stretch. We've developed this in a four-phase process, and we are finished with three. So we have one more phase left. So we are hopefully within six months of launching the app. Now, that doesn't limit you utilizing the services currently. Alexis is brilliant. And right now you get to get to know her because it's not through the app, but the app will be utilized. Hopefully we can officially launch it within the next six months. So tell us how someone connects with Alexis right now. So when survivors or advocates or law enforcement, any of those types are looking for any type of placement, they're able to go directly onto our website and under the referral section of the website, there is a referral form. That is where they have the ability to actually fill it out. And it comes directly to me. And then that is how we connect and work through the process. So even a survivor can go online and fill that out without, so to speak, a middleman. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, Dr. Morgan, it's the majority of our referrals are self-referrals. Wow, that's amazing. So already there's an element of empowerment through this access, direct access, not having to have a case manager or advocate, someone else. And for law enforcement, especially in areas where there's no organized task force, having a place to go when you suddenly are presented with someone in a situation that needs to exit, it's amazing to be able to go online, say, here's what we've got, and what can you do? And how long is that process? Is that going to take a couple weeks and we have to house somebody in a hotel? What, what usually happens? When somebody does actually fill out the form, we usually say that we will respond within 24 hours uh, within the business week, so the Monday through Friday. When I respond, that means that I sent that referral out to all of the programs that match directly. So you know that your referral is going out within 24 hours of the typical business day. Once that referral is actually sent out, it takes about one and a half to two weeks to actually place them. Now, I know that for people in the life or people who are trying to get out of the life, that one and a half to two weeks could be detrimental and actually incredibly concerning for them if they have nowhere to go. And that is why we do partnerships, like with an incredible network of emergency shelters, a safe shelter collaborative, 
we have a partnership with them where I actually have the ability to put in a referral for the survivor themselves saying that they need an emergency placement. So we actually have the perfect line from an emergency shelter into this long-term placement while we're waiting for the placement to happen. Wow. So when the app is in the final phase and is immediately accessible, how will that change the timeline? Well, honestly, Dr. Morgan, I know that a week and a half feels like eternity sometimes, but when we're looking at it in the context of a two to three year commitment, because that's the average length of these residential programs, we want to ensure that the survivors are making a decision knowing what their options are. So if they're getting calls from, let's say, seven agencies that they're able to interview, and one of them prioritizes workforce development, the other one prioritizes clinical healing, they can choose what their priorities are. And that does take time to have these interviews, do some assessments. Maybe they even get to talk to survivors currently in the program. I love that they can have that choice, but there does need to be that stopgap. That does need to be that emergency placement where they can be safe for a few days to be able to make that decision. I think one of the reasons for years we've seen such a high recidivism rate is because we've seen survivors get placed within 24 hours of a identification and it wasn't a good fit. And so one, they carry a tremendous amount of shame and blame when the program doesn't work for them because they take that ownership. And so then oftentimes they're back into the life and maybe they ask for help again from another program and it fails them again. And it's this terrible, terrible cycle. And you take years to finally overcome that trauma. Let's change that by giving them a chance to really decide what the next few years of their life is going to look like and what their priorities are. I love that. That is truly trauma-informed, and it also falls into the continuum of care model. So that's Mm -hmm. truly best practice. So as I'm listening to all of this, my sense is that there are listeners who are really interested in becoming part of this alliance. Can you tell us how someone could start that kind of process? Right on our website um, at shelteralliance.org, which I'm sure Dr. Morgan will share with all of you, you just sign up and become a part of our community. We have over five hours of training on trauma-informed care. We have hours of utilizing staff development, uh, utilizing volunteers, fundraising. The resources that you need to launch or maintain or be sustainable is all right there available. But on top of that, you get to be a part of the community because if there's one thing I know about all of you that work directly with with survivors is that that you are lonely and Mm. that you feel isolated. But you don't have to be that way. You can be a part of a community and you can message members directly saying, what is your smoking policy? (laughs) Do you have a marijuana? Truly, what is your marijuana policy? What do you do when they want to bring their emotionally supported peacock? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You can ask what others are doing because you're not alone. You're not alone. Don't work siloed. 
work with the community, build those bridges. That's so good. That is so good. I'm so grateful for this conversation. I'm going to give you each one minute for your last remarks to our listening community and an encouraging word for us. Mm. My thing is work together. And that's tricky because we have opinions, we have different approaches, but I would just say when we're working with victims, survivors, people with lived experience, the reality is, is we cannot be so arrogant to believe that there's a one size fits all. And so maybe you have a program that looks different than yours and you get frustrated at those differences. But I would encourage you to celebrate those differences because for some survivors, that might be exactly what they need. And for others, your program is so perfect. So celebrate the differences while encouraging enhanced quality of care through standards of care. Don't work alone. When it comes to my specific role within NTSA, uh, I get to hear from both sides, whether that's the survivor side, but also the service provider side. And the biggest message that I have is that we are there to support all of the sides because we all have to work together in order to actually be able to place survivors and get them the help that they want and need. And then also that every single part of this kind of battle is valid and valid in what they're looking for, valid for what they're providing, valid for what they are needing. And that is something that I think is so important for all of us to remember that we are all going towards the same goal. We are all trying to achieve the same thing and we need every single last person who is a part of this in order to do it. What a great way to end this episode. We all need to work together. Everybody knows collaboration is my favorite word. Thank you both so much for being on this episode of Ending Human Trafficking. And now for our listeners, we're inviting you, if you haven't already, to take the next step and join our community. Go over to Ending humantrafficking.org. You can find the resources we've mentioned in this conversation and subscribe. Every two weeks, you'll get an email with the latest release. And there's one more thing. Now is the time to start planning for Ensure Justice 2024. Our theme is Keeping Our Children Safe Online. The conference will be at the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University. I'm also inviting you to follow our Instagram account, EHT underscore podcast. We want to grow our community. So thank you, everybody, for being here. And I'll be back in two weeks. <laughs>